the Word of God this morning as it is found in Gospel according to Luke, that parable which is considered to be the second most known parable that our Lord told. Luke, the tenth chapter, beginning to read at the twenty-fifth verse. And behold, a lawyer stood up to put Jesus to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read? And the lawyer answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said to him, You've answered right. Do this, and you will live. But the lawyer, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion and went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own beast and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Which of these three do you think said Jesus, proved neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers. He said, the one who showed mercy on him. And Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. Amen and amen. This parable is the one you know called the Good Samaritan. And we must never forget that when Jesus taught it for the first time, he really was doing so in answer to an inquiry made by a lawyer of all people. A lawyer who came with the prior question, what can I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus, being a master of the indirect method, said, How do you answer that? And he said, Oh, well, the law says that you love God with all of your heart, soul, strength, and mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said, Yes, that's right. But then the lawyer, you know, they never seemed to be still. <laughs> he came back with a second question, But who is my neighbor? And Jesus then answers with this very famous helpful, beautiful parable 
which has as the key line that really your neighbor is anybody who needs your help. But in answering that parable, I think Jesus is giving us an additional teaching, one that does not appear on the surface, but which gives to us the four attitudes of life. The four attitudes are contained within this parable. And the first attitude is the one that I think was held by the robbers. We call it the bandit philosophy. It is the one that people follow when they're in the process of causing trouble. The robber philosophy is simply this. What is yours is mine, I will take it. Now this philosophy or this attitude is very, very popular. And it's very popular because it gives full sway to the full potential of a person's selfishness. Because you have to be very, very selfish to be able to follow the robber's attitude of life. You really can't be a person who is too much thinking about other people. As a matter of fact, you can't think about other people when you follow that particular philosophy of life. You really cannot be an individual who has much of a conscience, so you don't have to be bothered with ethics. You are an individual who, who really does not have to do much beyond thinking about today. No forethought. No, no. You don't have to do any planning about what's going to happen to you or other people. You, you don't have any personal grudges. The, the robbers who attacked that man, they had nothing against him. They didn't even know him. They didn't worry if he had a family. They didn't ask whether or not his body could stand a beating and whether his purse could stand a robbing. You don't have to ask questions like this. They didn't really worry about anything. Their only philosophy, what is yours is mine, I will take it. It's the robber philosophy. And it is one that is practiced not just by people who wear black hats and carry Saturday night specials, but it's caused by people who wear white hats and do special things on Sunday like going to church. This is the kind of philosophy that is used by and practiced by employers who expect overwork and give underpay. It's the philosophy that's given by workers who underwork and want overpaid. It's a philosophy that is given attention by students who really do not think of the time or the money that they are robbing when they do not pay attention and do classwork or homework. It's the kind of philosophy that is entered into by, by people who instead of using their creative talents borrow always from other people. It's a philosophy used by the leaners those who really can't seem to do anything for themselves. And it's a philosophy of life that I've tried to point out has far more advantages than disadvantages. That's what makes it so popular. 
you really don't have many disadvantages. The only ones I can see in the robber philosophy or the thief attitude of life is simply you have to worry a little bit. Oh, not about the other person. You have to worry about getting caught. <laughs> and if you get caught, you have to suffer a little shame. But other than that, other than that, the robber philosophy is very, very popular because it requires absolutely no discipline, a lot of work sometimes because the plans are ingenious, but it really doesn't take too much other than that. All you have to do is selfishly say, what is yours is mine. I'll take it. That's one attitude of life, very popular. It's a big seller there. The second one is the attitude that is called the passerby philosophy. And it is represented in this parable by our Lord, by ugh, church people, <laughs> the reverend priests and the elder Levite. Jesus was hard on those of us who assemble ourselves for worship. He wanted to make sure that we tried to practice what we preached. And uh, this particular philosophy is very simple. It goes something like this. What is mine is mine, and I'll keep it. This particular philosophy is one that has a set number of advantages and a set number of disadvantages. Whereas in the robber philosophy, that who causes the problem, this philosophy just ignores the problem. And though there are more advantages than disadvantages in the robber attitude, there are just an equal number of advantages and disadvantages in the passerby philosophy. Now the advantages are these. One, you never really have to worry about getting hurt when you practice the passerby philosophy. You never really have to worry about ever finding yourself out on a limb. You never have to take a chance. You rarely, if ever, will get your hands dirty. It will never interrupt your schedule. Oh, no. No, passerby philosophy never interrupts whatever you want to do. And the wonderful thing about it, and I think its big selling factor, is that it's cheap. <laughs> it costs you practically nothing to be a passerby. And the wonderful thing about it is that it gives you an awful lot to talk about. Gives you a tremendous amount of topic for conversation. Now, you see, our Lord doesn't put in all the parts to the story. He allows his spirit to use our imagination. And one of the things that I wonder often about in the incident of the reverend priest and the elder Levite was which way were they going? Were they both going in the, sec the same direction to Jerusalem or to Jericho? Or were they going in opposite routes? If you allow your imagination to play a little bit in your mind, let's assume they were both going in the same direction and they were going to the same meeting. It was a church meeting called by the Reverend Mr. Passer because he was very concerned and he wanted to get his people excited and the topic for the meeting was what specific things can we do to get help to people who need it?
That was the topic of the particular discussion that day. And he had invited the Reverend or Mr. Elder by to go. Now, the meeting was called for 7.30 on Tuesday night. And the Reverend Mr. Passer left home and was on his way to the meeting when he stumbled upon this bloody, beaten body, this victim who had been robbed and stripped. And he looked down and he thought, my, my, how hideous of a thing. Uh, I should be doing something, but what? Uh, after all, I, I have a meeting at 7.30 and I've got to get there and open the door and turn on the lights and sharpen the pencils and get out the tablets. Uh, oh, I hear someone else coming. Well, I'm sure that person is far more qualified to take care of the problem than am I. Uh, I'll just hurry on and, and bless you, my boy, and, and on he goes. Now, he didn't know it, but it was Elder Mr. Bai who was coming behind. And he comes and sees the same poor desperate soul, and he says, My, I wish, I wish I could do something, but I'm on my way to a church meeting, and I can't be late, and the topic is so important. Uh, besides, I saw already someone here on the scene. I'm sure he went and got the doctor, or he called the hospital for the ambulance. Uh, I'm sure everything will be all right. Uh, blessings, my son. And off he goes. And the two of them get there at 725, and the Reverend Mr. Passer says to Elder Mr. Bai, uh, Say, did you come down the Jericho Road? Yes. Did you see somebody who was beaten and, and robbed and all bloody? Yes, horrible mess. Well, the reverend said, trying to clear his conscience, uh, I was in a hurry and I, I couldn't stop, but I, I knew somebody else was coming and I, I knew he would be able to handle the situation far better than, 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 than I. So I came on down. Was that you, reverend? Oh, I, I thought you had already made the arrangements with the doctor, so, so, so I didn't do anything. Oh my, isn't that horrible. Isn't that too bad? Oh, we better not go back. I'm sure somebody's come by this time and cleaned up the mess and helped the man and, and called the undertaker if it's too late for the hospital. That's too bad. By the way, we 7.30, time for the meeting. The Reverend says, all right, we'll come to order. Now, we're here to discuss specific things that we might do to help people who are in trouble. Does anybody have any ideas? And, and Mr. Bai says, yes, sir. Let, let's pray that God will give us insight to be able to recognize people who have problems. That's a good idea. And on they go and go and go, and God gets sicker and sicker and sicker. But that's the passerby philosophy. Church people enter into it so easily. Those are the advantages. Gives you much to talk about. Disadvantages. You have to be willing to suffer some pangs of conscience. Maybe some sleepless nights. You have to take a tremendous amount of time to make up excuses to justify positions as to why you don't do something. That takes a tremendous amount of time. You're usually fooling nobody but yourself, but it takes time to make up justifiable excuses. But that's not the worst disadvantage. The worst disadvantage is that when you practice the passerby attitude, and use the philosophy, what is mine is mine, I will keep it. 
you automatically eliminate yourself from eternal life. You automatically eliminate yourself, not only from the joys of this life, but from eternal life. And thank the good Lord, that's not my idea, that's the idea of Jesus. 25th chapter of Matthew, I think it is. Jesus said, when that big day comes of the grand examination, I'm going to ask some questions. There's going to be a division. The sheep will be on the right and the goats on the left. And I'll say, welcome to the sheep, and I'll say, bye-bye to the goats. What makes the difference? If you fed me when I was hungry, if you clothed me when I was naked, if you came and visited me when I was sick or in prison, that's what makes the difference. And you're going to hear one mighty chorus coming out of the goat saying, When, Lord, when, when did we see you naked, stripped, hurting by the side of the road in need of help? When, Lord, inasmuch as you did it not unto the least of one of these, my brethren, you did it not unto me. Goodbye. That's what's going to happen. Not on my word, but on the word of Jesus. That's what happens to the passerbyers. Those individuals who do not create the problem. No, they're the robbers. But the people who ignore the problems. They're the passerbyers. Attitude three, that represented by the Samaritan. He didn't cause the problem. He didn't pass it by. He tried to solve it. But I have to tell you, just as in the robber philosophy, many advantages and few disadvantages, as in the passerby philosophy, an equal number of advantages and disadvantages in the Samaritan philosophy, I think only one advantage and many, many disadvantages. And the biggest disadvantage of the Samaritan philosophy is that it is so costly. <clears throat> it costs to be a good Samaritan. What does it cost? Oh, many, many things. Let me just read down through the scripture with you. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was. And when he saw him, see, it cost him his power of observation. See, a Samaritan cannot walk around half unconscious, unable to see everything that's in front of him. He had compassion. See, it cost him a tear in the eye and an ache in the heart. And he went to him. Aha! It required effort. It required action. The Samaritan didn't stand back and say, why doesn't somebody do something? He went to him and bound up his wounds. It required knowledge. Pouring on oil and wine. It cost him his supplies. I wonder if he was covered by Blue Cross Blue Shield. Then he set him on his own beast. You know, I wouldn't be a bit surprised if Samaritan had to have his suit cleaned after this errand of mercy. And he brought him, brought him, didn't send him, he brought him to an inn, required some leadership, and took care of him. Cost him a night's sleep. 
And the next day he took out two denarii, cost him money, and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, take care of him. It cost him his power of persuasion, his influence. And whatever more you spend, I will repay you. It cost him his credit card or a blank check. When I come back, it cost him the promise of a return visit. That's pretty expensive. You add up that list, and it's costly. The only advantage I know out of the Samaritan philosophy of life is that when you practice it, you find the meaning of life. And that's one big whopper of a reward. Many people haven't found it yet because it comes, you see, only when you realize that the main purpose of life is to help your neighbor who's in need. That's it. Why else are we here? Look pretty? Eat food? Exercise? We're here to help one another. That's what it's all about. No matter what the cost. That's attitude number three. Attitude number four. This is the one I didn't realize was there for a long time. It's the attitude of the innkeeper. See, the philosophy of the robber is, what is yours is mine, I'll take it. The passerbyer is, what is mine is mine, I'll keep it. The Samaritans is, what is mine is yours, I'll share it. And the wonderful innkeeper. His is, to the Samaritan, whatever good you want to do, I'll take it and make a profit by it. According to the newspapers, I, I think we, we, if they're right, we have a lot of people practicing this philosophy today. They don't cause the problems, nor do they pass them by. They don't solve them, but they make money from the people who do solve them. Look at the innkeeper. He could have very easily said to the Samaritan, Hey, Samaritan, you've done your job. Let me do part of helping to heal the situation. But he didn't say it. He said, Look, Samaritan, let's go halfers on this. You pay for tonight's lodging, and I'll write tomorrow night's off. I see him there kind of smacking his lips, wondering how he can pad the bill, which has been given an open signature by the good Samaritan. You don't hear him saying to Samaritan, look, man, you're busy, you've done an awful lot, you keep on going, I'll make sure this guy gets on the road in tomorrow or the next day. No. All you see him is innocently standing by with kind eyes and an open hand trying to make money off good projects. I don't know which philosophy is most despicable. It's either one or four. I, I, I'm not sure. Thank God I don't have to decide. All I know is that there's only one that our Lord thinks worthy to follow. He says about the Good Samaritan, Go and do likewise. I believe that everybody in the world can be divided into one of these four attitudes or classes. 
I believe each one of us has adopted long time ago a philosophy which fits under one of those particular headings. The sermon is preached today with the hope that subtly all of us will look at our own philosophy and we'll try to go tomorrow, no, this afternoon, and go and be like the Samaritan. I'm going to let you out a little early today as a gift. That's my Samaritanite-ism showing. But tonight I'm going to do something, and boy, I'd like you to do it with me. After I get ready for bed, I'm going to kneel beside my bed tonight. And I'm going to pray for two things. First is going to be a prayer of thanksgiving unto Almighty God for allowing me to live and work and be a part of a church and a community that is filled with Samaritans. People who have caught the basic message of what life is all about. There are many of you, and I thank God for you. And secondly... I'm going to ask God to help me, me, to become a better Samaritan. That appeals to you. Come and do likewise. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Father, forgive us when we muddy the waters and disturb life as you planned it. Forgive us when we believe that taking is more important than giving. Forgive us, Father, when we forget we're Samaritans. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of his Holy Spirit be with you on this beautiful day. And be with you as you travel the road of life forever. Amen.